Well, thanks to Andrea for reading. Thanks to uh, Michael and Laura Van Heis uh, for leading us in prayer today. Um, and I want to kind of put a little underline under that global missions uh, gathering that's coming up in a couple weeks. And I'd love to kind of add my voice in inviting you to come and participate in that. Well, today, as we get to Proverbs 31, we are at like a happy, sad moment. And the happy, sad moment is, uh, is happy because we have made it from Proverbs chapter 1 to Proverbs chapter 31. And the sad part is there's no more chapters after this one. And so for us as a church family, this kind of ends uh, our journey through the book of Proverbs that we began, uh, that we began actually out in the field. Early last fall, if some of you remember that, we began that when we were still meeting outdoors uh, back in the fall months when we were in Proverbs chapter 1. And we haven't looked at every single verse in the book of Proverbs because the way that the book of Proverbs works doesn't lend itself to doing that. But we've made our way first through those first 10 chapters of the book of Proverbs, which give us speeches of wisdom. And now from chapter 10 on through chapter 30, which give us most of those little tiny pithy or insightful witty statements that give us one little slice of wisdom. We've looked at those for a number of months as we've made our way through the book of Proverbs. And now we get to Proverbs chapter 31 and we've reached the end of this Wonderful book of the Bible, which I hope we'll have opportunities to return to together as a church in the future, which I hope you will love more and apply even more diligently in your life going forward as a result of our journey here. But we've reached the end of the book of Proverbs, and we find here at the end of the book of Proverbs maybe something that's a little bit surprising, right? When we get to the end of the book of Proverbs, what we get is we get a poem about an amazing woman. We get a 22 verse poem. One line, uh, each, each line of this verse beginning with a successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. An acrostic poem written in celebration of an excellent wife as it's translated here in the ESV. And since we're thinking today about amazing women... I decided this week to take a straw poll of a few kids in our church to learn about what makes women great. And so I asked a number of kids in our church what makes their mom great. Ethan says that one thing he likes to do with his mom Elizabeth is to build Legos. We could put that somewhere in our own acrostic poem, right? Henry said that one thing he likes to do with his mom Melody is to draw. Liam says that one thing he likes to do with his mom, Elizabeth, is to play board games. Janie and Ruby describe their mom, Kimberly, as, quote, wonderful and beautiful. Can everybody say, aw? And then Lisa's three younger kids describe their mom as funny. (laughs) I'm sure what they meant was funny and beautiful, but Mike probably forgot to write down the last few words, right? Trace says that one thing he loves to do with his mom, Hannah, is, quote, try to beat her in wrestling, even though I can't. We respect you for your honesty, brother. (laughs) Gabe says that his mom, Heather, is great because she is, quote, aggressive. And that's interesting 
especially because Heather's daughter Alexandra decided to poetically describe her mom as being like a flower. Which is to say, if you put those observations together, I guess it means that some moms are like aggressive flowers. Mason says about his mom, Charmaine, my mom is really great because she is, quote, a hard-working mom. Can I get an amen from all the kids who have seen hard-working moms in their lives? Words that other kids used to describe their moms included joyful, cheerful, lovely, fantastic. And most kids in our straw poll survey described their moms as being, quote, loving and kind. How can you find just one word to describe an amazing woman? How can you find just one word to describe a woman who is worthy of honor? How can you find just one word to describe a woman who is worthy to be praised, as the end of Proverbs 31 says? Well, here at the beginning of this poem, the word that the author chooses is excellent. He describes women, or he describes this this model woman as excellent. Other translations might translate it as, quote, a wife of noble character. She's described with excellence. She's described with nobility. One translation gets a little closer, I think, to the original, and it just says, a good woman. The phrase in Hebrew is eshet chayil. And our brother Brian Giffen is watching via live stream right now, and he's probably correcting my pronunciation of that. So with my apologies to anybody else with Jewish heritage who knows how to pronounce that better, the phrase in Hebrew, an excellent wife, a good woman, is eshet chayil, which refers specifically that, that word excellent or good refers typically to a word for strength, a word for might, a word for valor, a word for power. This passage, in other words, is a poetic celebration of a strong, valorous, powerful woman. I wonder if some of us are surprised to hear the Bible, God's Word, describing or celebrating strong women. In fact, I'd suggest that the Bible celebrates strong women more loudly and clearly than many of us do in our own lives. The main question we'll consider today, a couple weeks ago we looked at the praiseworthiness of honorable women. The main question we want to pay attention to today, the main question that kind of unfolds in this acrostic poem is this. What is it that characterizes a strong woman, biblically speaking, according to the Lord? What are some things, what is it that characterizes a strong woman? Woman, And the answer to that question here in this passage, strategically located as the end of the book of Proverbs, I think the answer to that question goes something like this. A strong woman models wisdom in every aspect of life. 
And I think that's why this poem in celebration of a strong woman is here at the end of the book of Proverbs. It's here as a model. It's here as a demonstration. It's here as a picture. After all of these series of Proverbs that teach us wisdom one little slice at a time. Here we get a poetic celebration of one strong woman who models what it looks like to live a wise life in every aspect of life. Now before we kind of dig into this poem, and by the way it is a poem and so I want to recognize up front it's an acrostic poem. It goes A, B, C, D. It's like those kids books you read, the ABCs of whatever, right? And, and since it's kind of an ABCs kind of poem, it's not organized logically in the same way that the book of Amos is organized logically. It's not organized logically in the same way that many of the poetic psalms are organized logically. And so there's a little looseness to it, but we'll make our way through it together and pay attention to some of the main themes that show up in this poem. But before we do that, I kind of want to pause and I want to talk about two things that we need to kind of get clear about in order to hear this passage the way that God wants us to hear this passage. And the first issue that will help us to hear Proverbs 31 clearly is we need to realize that this passage is here to inspire us, not to discourage us. And I think that needs to be said because I have heard from women that Proverbs 31 has very often been taught in ways that tend to leave women feeling discouraged or even beat up. But let me say clearly, that's not why this passage is here in our Bibles. This poem is here to inspire you. It's here to encourage you. It's here to empower you. It's here to strengthen you. It is not here to drag you down or to beat you up. And so I want to encourage you as we're looking at this passage in God's Word to listen for the voice of God's Spirit speaking through His Word today. God's Spirit does convict children of God, right? God's Spirit convicts me often, but God's Spirit will never condemn children of God. We believe that all Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable. So as we listen today, let's listen for what the Spirit of God is saying through His Word for our encouragement, for our upbuilding, to help us take a step forward in wisdom, not to leave us feeling discouraged or in any other way dragged down. So that's the first thing I want to clarify is that this passage is here to inspire and strengthen us, not to discourage us. And I pray for every single individual hearing today that that will be the effect for you. I pray that especially for women here who have felt maybe a little bit beat up by this passage or more specifically who have felt beat up by the way that people have carelessly taught this passage in the past. I hope that you'll walk away encouraged and not just discouraged today. But secondly, there's a word that maybe needs to slant especially toward the men who are listening to this passage today. 
I want to remind you that this passage as part of God's word is here for our upbuilding as well. This is here, fellas, for our edification. This is here for us to be built up, for us to be strengthened, for us to be inspired, for us to take a step forward in wisdom. It's not here so that we get a chance to check out mentally for a week of preaching. And you say, well, what does this have to say to me? It's all about a woman who models wisdom. Actually, it has a lot to say for us, fellas. First of all, as we paid attention to, especially on Mother's Day just a couple of weeks ago, we paid attention to the fact that the book of Proverbs teaches teaches us to honor honorable women in our lives and to do so out loud with encouraging and upbuilding words. In fact, the end of Proverbs 31 instructs us as men to rise up and sing the praises of the honorable women in our lives. So at one level, this is here as a reminder to celebrate women the way that God intends for women to be honored and celebrated. But placed here at the end of the book of Proverbs, I want to suggest that the function of this poem is not only to teach biblical femininity, if you will, in a sense that these things only apply to females... This is here as the crescendo or the wrap-up of the book of Proverbs in such a way as to show all of us, as to inspire all of us to take a step forward in our own journey of living out wisdom in this life. This is here not to discourage women, but to inspire women to take a step forward in the wisdom of the Lord and His ways. And this passage is here not to be written off by men, but to inspire us to take a step forward in the wisdom of the Lord and His ways as well. So, with those qualifiers in place, let's listen up to what God's Spirit has to say to us here in this passage. What does, how does this strong woman model wisdom? In a variety of ways. First of all, this strong woman here in this passage models wisdom in her family relationships in her family relationships look with me if you would at verses 11 and 12 the heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain she does him good and not harm all the days of her life this strong woman models for us that when god's wisdom sinks down deep in our hearts It sinks down deep in our hearts, not just in such a way that makes us smart in our brains, but that makes us trustworthy and loving in our relationships. And it makes us trustworthy and loving in our relationships, not only with people out there. Sometimes it's easier to put on a facade and pretend to be trustworthy and wise and generous and kind out there. But this passage reminds us that when God's wisdom sinks down deep in our hearts, it doesn't give us just kind of brain smarts. It teaches us to live in a trustworthy and gracious way with those we live in closest proximity to. In this case, in the example of this prototype woman, this model of wisdom, it talks about her relationship with her husband. And it describes it as a relationship of trust. 
A relationship in which the way that she has navigated conversations in the past and the way in which she has navigated uh, frightening situations in the past and the way in which they have navigated conflicts in their relationship in the past and the way in which they have navigated extending mercy to one another in the past have created this atmosphere in the home which is characterized by saying, I trust you. Now, of course, in any relationship, it takes two to tango, as we like to say, right? So no one individual is able to create a relationship of perfect trust on their own. I love the the wisdom that Paul expresses in Romans chapter 12 when he says, so far as it depends upon you, live peaceably with others. So far as it depends upon you. Sometimes it will reach beyond your control. But as we pay attention to the example of this model of wisdom, it calls us to pause and consider, how am I doing in my relationships with the people that I live closest with? How am I doing in my relationship with those who live most closely with me? For those who are married, how are you doing in your relationship with your spouse? After all of the ups and downs of 2020 and the beginning of 2021, are you planting seeds in your relationship that are growing up and bearing fruit of, I trust you? This passage reminds us, and perhaps in some cases convicts us, and perhaps in some cases encourages us, but the voice of God's Spirit through His Word is reminding us through this example of this strong woman modeling wisdom that wisdom is lived out in family relationships. A second way that this strong woman models wisdom is also in her daily work. It's not only in her relationship with her husband and in the stuff that she's doing with her kids. A strong woman also models wisdom in her daily work. Look with me, if you would, at verse 13. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She's like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. And with the fruit of her hands or with the money she's earned through her past investments, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hand to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. You hear what's being described there, right? It's a description of of a woman who is diligent in her daily work. Remarkably diligent in her daily work. And I get why some people read this passage and feel like it's impossibly diligent in her daily work. She's a morning bird and a night owl, according to this passage. She gets up early and she stays up late. And let me just say, as a pastoral aside, if you go home and try to apply this passage 
by sleeping less, the results are probably not going to make you a wiser individual. They're probably just going to make you a crankier individual. So my pastoral advice would be sleep a wise amount. Don't worry about trying to sleep less, okay? Um, in fact, in the culture that these people lived in, they went to sleep way earlier than we do in modern America. Remember, they didn't have electricity. When the sun went down, uh, time was running out, right? And so uh, these people probably slept quite a bit more than we do in American culture. So don't try to eat into your sleep as a way of becoming godlier. In my experience, when I sleep less, I become less godly, it turns out. So don't get tripped up on that. But what this, what this model what this model of, of wisdom demonstrates, what this strong woman shows us is that those who have absorbed the kind of wisdom that is taught in this book to us, those who have absorbed God's wisdom are not the kind of people who sit around and are all talk and no action. The people who have absorbed God's wisdom are people who are glad and eager and willing to work hard day after day, even in sweaty daily tasks. In fact, one of the things that's most remarkable about this passage is kind of its celebration of the glory or the beauty that is found in daily work. Daily work like planting a garden. Daily work like sewing and making clothes. Daily work like going out to the marketplace and selling stuff. Daily work like real estate. In these varieties of daily work that are described, Proverbs 31 shows us the glory and the beauty of somebody who is giving, who is giving her life to working hard for the glory of God. And in our straw poll this week, many of the kids that we surveyed realized that what makes their amazing moms amazing is, in fact, a lot of hard work. Ethan noticed that his mom, Elizabeth, works hard at every day at things like doing a workout. <laughs> Trace says that his mom, Hannah, works hard every day at doing things like planting flowers. That's good to do. It's very Proverbs 31, actually. She considers a field and she plants in it. There you go, right? Henry says that his mom, Melody, works hard every day at, quote, taking us places. That's, that's real labor. It's taxi driving to the glory of God for kids, right? Laura says that her mom, Katie, works hard every day at doing things like cooking meals. Aw, I got an awe out of that. It's actually, again, a very Proverbs 31 kind of thing, providing for the kids these daily tasks which feel so mundane, which feel so annoying because as soon as you finish them, just a couple hours later, the kids are coming back in the kitchen hungry, right? These tasks which feel like they never end because tomorrow there's always another breakfast to be prepared. These tasks which feel sometimes meaningless because they're forgotten so often are revealed here in Proverbs 31 to be a part of a well-lived life. And Proverbs 31, instead of idealizing wisdom as something that is lived out in kind of an academic ivory tower detached from real life, 
Proverbs 31 shows us that through the example of this strong woman who models wisdom, it shows us that a life well lived includes wisdom being applied in diligence for mundane, ordinary, daily work that we're called to do in our lives. And so whether that daily work is amateur gardening or commercial farming, whether that amateur or whether that whether that daily work involves sewing clothes or whether it involves sales and marketing like the Proverbs 31 woman, whether it's parenting kids or managing the staff of the family business, whether it's food prep or real estate, this passage holds up the glory of the ordinary. It holds up the honor of the everyday. It holds up the dignity of daily work done to the glory of God. And it should inspire all of us to go back tomorrow to the daily tasks that show up every Monday from getting breakfast to moms getting clothes ready for the kids, getting the daily chores done around the house, starting the tasks that we have to start at the beginning of a new work week, sending a few emails. It sends us back into our work week inspired to see the work ahead of us, not just as mundane stuff that's got to get done, but seeing it as something that God Himself cares about. Seeing it as something that God Himself smiles over. Seeing it as something that God Himself says is worthy to be praised when it's done well to the glory of His name. This strong woman here in Proverbs 31 models wisdom in her family. She models wisdom in her daily work. She models wisdom also in providing for others. And notice the variety of people who are reached through this model of wisdom and the way that she lives her life. Um, you know, verse 22 tells us that she takes care of herself. It's not nothing. She takes care of needs for herself. There are enough boundaries in place that she's not giving to everybody else without any time to take care of what she needs to take care of for herself. But that's not a kind of selfishness in her life, is it? In fact, in the life of this model of wisdom, taking care of herself and her own needs seems to only position her to reach out further and further. We've already talked about her trusting relationship with her husband. We've hinted at her providing relationship for her kids. And she provides for everybody in her household, it actually says. Provisions for employees who work for the family business. And then here in verse 20, this verse which often catches our attention, she opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. As a result of her hard work and her diligence in the daily tasks that are assigned to her, she's become not just kind of a reservoir of ever-increasing wealth, she's become a distributor of God's grace and kindness to others around her. She's able to share with those in need. She has a heart that 
that like the heart of our Redeemer Himself leans toward the poor, that like the heart of our Redeemer Himself leans toward those in need. And so as a result of her daily work and her diligence in life, she is eager to share She's eager to use not only what she earns for herself and her husband and her kids and those who work for her, but she's able to gladly share with those in need. This strong woman models wisdom in providing for others. This strong woman also models wisdom in her virtues. And I know I'm moving a little quickly here, but I want to get somewhere, so keep moving with me if you would. But you see in verse 25, another very famous verse here in this passage. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. What is this showing us? This is showing us that that a woman who has digested and put into practice the kind of wisdom that is found here in this book lives a life that we wouldn't say it's kind of flippantly carefree. She's engaged with the needs of others around her. She sees real-world pain in her neighborhood. She gets the realities of life. She's not flippantly indifferent to the pain and suffering of this world. And yet she's able, according to verse 25, to laugh at times that are to come. What on earth enables us to look at years up ahead and smile? Most of us know very well what it's like to look at years coming up ahead and wring our hands. What's going to happen with my kids when they get older? What's going to happen with our finances a few years from now? What if I get sick? What if the government comes up with terrible with terrible programs that oppress me and my family or restrict our freedoms in unhelpful ways? What if the world falls apart? Many of us know very well what it's like to look at the years to come and wring our hands with anxiety and fear to drive ourselves crazy in the process. How on earth... Does this model of wisdom learn to look at the days, the months, the years to come and smile? What it is, is the wisdom of knowing and fearing the Lord. The book of Proverbs has taught us that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. And those who run to Him safe. And when we digest wisdom like that, it doesn't make us callous to the needs of the world around us. It doesn't make us indifferent toward taking steps of precaution. It doesn't make us foolhardy and running headlong into dangers ahead. But it does teach us to exhale. And it teaches us to say that if it's the Lord I'm trusting in, then with Him, I'm going to be okay. The book of Proverbs, like the Scriptures as a whole, teach us that if we're with the Lord, we're okay. 
The story of redemption is not done yet. The world is fallen. I can't promise that you won't get sick. The world that we live in is fallen. I can't promise that the government won't come up with terrible uh, programs in the future. The world that we live in is broken. I can't promise that nothing bad will ever happen to you or your kids. But I can tell you through what we learn in the Bible that we serve the Redeemer, our Maker and our Redeemer, our Lord who is big enough to handle it. And who tells us that in the last analysis, those who are with Him will be okay. And when we get that, We can look at the months and the years to come and we will still plan diligently. The book of Proverbs has a lot to say about making wise plans and acting prudently. We'll act prudently, but we won't act prudently driven by fear or anxiety. We'll act prudently in the freedom that comes in running to the Lord who is a strong refuge for all who take shelter in Him. She looks at the days to come, dressed with strength and dignity, and she laughs. She can smile. Instead of fretting her hands, she can rest easy. And this may be something of a point of conviction for a few of us, but remember what we've said. The Holy Spirit isn't using these words to condemn us. He's using these words to help us take a step forward. So as we look at this model of wisdom who demonstrates wisdom in her virtues and her ability to throw back her head and laugh out loud when she thinks about the years to come, maybe it should inspire some of us to take a step forward in wisely entrusting our entire future to the Lord. In such a way that we too can exhale as we think about what is to come. Exhale, smile, and even laugh as we continue to look toward the days to come. This strong woman here in Proverbs 31 models wisdom in her family relationships, in her daily work, in providing for others, in her virtues. And finally, number five, this strong woman models wisdom in her relationship with the Lord. Because we looked a few weeks ago on Mother's Day at some of what the last few verses of Proverbs 31 have to say, I'm not going to talk quite as much about the praiseworthiness of honorable women, but I do want to draw your attention to this important line in verse 30. This important line that says, A woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And I want to point out to you that this verse, if, if the authors, if the original authors of the Bible had bold and italics and highlight capabilities, this verse would be in bold, italics, and highlighted. And how do I know that? Because the main way that the authors of the ancient world did bold italics and highlighting before they had word processors or Google Docs, right? 
The main way that they did that was through repetition. And this theme of fearing the Lord has been repeated throughout this book over and over and over again. But more than that, this theme of the fear of the Lord keeps showing up at some of the very most important moments in this book. You remember way back when we were still out in the field, not yet meeting indoors yet, and we began the book of Proverbs. And we looked at Proverbs chapter 1. And we looked at the invitation to learn wisdom in Proverbs chapter 1. And at the end of the invitation to come and learn wisdom, how does the book of Proverbs introduce itself? Verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Wisdom, according to God's word, begins in a right relationship with the Lord, described as fearing Him. And then we get nine chapters of kind of poetic invitations to wisdom. Proverbs chapter 1 through 9, which culminate in chapter 9, verse 10, with a passage that Mr. Warman taught the youth about just this last week, right as these speeches about wisdom are wrapping up at the end of this important section introducing the book of Proverbs, in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, we read, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Are you hearing a theme? And now we come to the end of the book of Proverbs. And here we are with the very last words of the book of Proverbs. What are the last words ringing in our ears going to be? A woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Do you hear how important this theme of fearing the Lord is? Now we need to say a couple things about fearing the Lord because it's a strange idea to us. And we've said more about it earlier in the series, so I'm not going to say quite as much today. But to fear the Lord is not the same as being terrorized when thinking about the Lord. This is not an emotion of terror that would lead us to run away from God. Rather, this is a heart posture of deep reverence that would draw us closer to the Lord. And this heart posture of reverence before the Lord that would draw us near to Him. Remember, we've pointed out the fear of the Lord is the fear that drives out all other fears according to the Old Testament. This fear of the Lord, this fear that drives out all other fears, this deep motivation that draws us closer to the Lord and motivates us to go and live in His ways is what is left echoing in our ears here as we hear the description of this strong woman who models wisdom. What is most important about a strong woman who models wisdom? It's her relationship with the Lord. This is the most important thing about a woman who is worthy to be praised. This is the most important thing about a disciple who wants to follow the Lord with his or her life. It's it's her relationship with the Lord. Actually, there's another interesting um, connection here. There's only one woman in Scripture who is explicitly called an eshet chayil, an excellent wife, a strong woman, a woman of valor. There's only one other woman who is explicitly described that way. Now, 
Verse 29 of Proverbs 31 says, Many women have done excellently. Many women have done strongly. Many women have done valiantly. Okay, so the book of Proverbs is not saying probably most of you aren't going to make it. (laughs) The book of Proverbs is saying many women are living like this. And yet interestingly in the Bible, only one other woman is described with the words Eshet Chayil. You know who that woman is? It's Ruth. And when she is described as an Eshet Chayil, when she is described as a woman of strength or a woman of valor, notice this, she doesn't have a husband. And so let me point out, single women, you don't need a husband in order to be a woman of strength in God's eyes. She's a widow when she's called an Eshet Chayil. She doesn't have kids. I'm not going to cover the whole story of the book of Ruth, but it's a profound and beautiful story, a profound and beautiful and short book of the Bible you can go and read later. She doesn't have kids. This is one of the very reasons that the book of Ruth is a story. Part of what makes the story a story is she's childless. There's no kids to take care of her. She has no husband. She has no kids. She's not at all wealthy. In fact, she's living off of charity that she receives from other people. She doesn't fit in the community that she lives in. She's recognized as an ethnic foreigner. Remember, she's, she's a Moabitess. She's from Moab. She's not ethnically Jewish. When she moves back to Israel, she's recognized as a foreigner. She speaks with a foreign accent. And I don't know this for sure, but presumably because she's from Moab, presumably or possibly, she didn't grow up memorizing Bible verses. She came to know the Lord later in her life. And yet, this woman who has no husband... Has no kids, has no wealth whatsoever, but has to live off of charity from other people. Who doesn't fit in her community because she's recognized as ethnically different. And who didn't grow up presumably memorizing the Hebrew scriptures or worshiping Yahweh as her Lord. In the book of Ruth, there are really only two things to commend her. Number one... She demonstrates a loyal kind of love to Yahweh. Having met the Lord later in life, even though she has suffered so much grief in her life, even though she has suffered so much that her mother-in-law says, just call us bitter because that's how the Lord has dealt with us. Despite all that she's suffered, what she has seen in the Lord leads her to demonstrate a kind of loyal love for God. And in that loyal love for God, she also demonstrates a kind of loyalty and love toward other people. And with nothing on her resume, except loving God and loving others, Boaz meets Ruth and sees the way she's living her life. And he sees this is what makes a strong woman strong. 
This is what makes a great woman great. This is what makes a woman of valor a woman of valor. It's, it's not her circumstances. It's her walk with the Lord. The love of God and love of neighbor is all that Boaz can see to commend her. And yet Boaz says she is a woman of honor. She is a woman worthy to be praised. This is the most important thing that this strong woman models. She models wisdom in her relationship with the Lord, which should motivate us, each one of us, toward taking a step forward in our own relationship with the Lord. Toward taking a step forward of loyalty and love toward God and toward other people. Now, as we're wrapping up the book of Proverbs here, there's just a couple of recommendations that I want to make for us as we seek to take steps forward in living lives of wisdom ourselves. A couple of recommendations I want to make for us. The first recommendation is this. Let's stay close to the book of Proverbs. And more specifically, let's stay close to specific Proverbs. As we each consider how we can take a step forward in our walk with the Lord, and as we consider how we can each take a step forward in representing the Lord here in this world, in the middle of this story of redemption that He's writing, as we consider how we can each take a step of wisdom forward, let's stay close to specific Proverbs. What do I mean by that? I hope for each of us, we have been inspired not only by Proverbs 31 in this depiction of a woman of valor, a strong woman who fears the Lord and is to be praised. I hope we've been inspired not only by her example, but by many of the details we've seen in our journey through these 31 chapters of Proverbs. And here's the thing. If all we do is walk away with some kind of emotional affection for the book of Proverbs, and we just say, the book of Proverbs, I like that book. But we have no concrete connections with specific avenues of wisdom that God's Spirit is is trying to help us grow in. We're not going to get much further in the way of wisdom, are we? And so what I would love to encourage each of us to do is to consider, are there one or two or three specific verses in the book of Proverbs that can inspire you and that can help you to take a step forward in walking out wisdom in your own life? What would those specific Proverbs be? Very often in my own journey of discipleship, The path of growth has involved writing down specific verses on a piece of paper that I carry around with me in my pocket. Seven days a week. Why? Because after I think about it on Monday, I forget and I need to be reminded to think about it again on Tuesday. And after I think about it on Tuesday, I forget and I need to be reminded to think about it again on Wednesday, right? So I would love to encourage all of us, find a few specific Proverbs. Not just a general sense that, yeah, I like this wisdom stuff. But a few specific Proverbs that can help you take a step forward in your own walk of wisdom. Let's stay close to specific Proverbs. But even more than that, I want to encourage us 
as we wrap up the book of Proverbs, to stay close to the Lord Jesus Christ. If the fear of Yahweh, if the fear of the Lord is so important and so foundational, if our walk with God and our relationship with Him is the beginning, the middle, and the end of wisdom, as the book of Proverbs portrays it for us, we're not going to get very far if we're not staying close to the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, sometimes we have this problem in the, the journey of discipleship where we realize, I know that in order to become a Christian, is all by grace and through faith. I need Jesus in order to become a Christian. But then somewhere along the journey, we make this subtle mistake and we think that grace stuff was really great at the beginning. But now if I want to make progress, it's got to be by nothing but effort. We shift from grace alone to effort alone, pretty effortlessly, don't we? We shift right into this mindset that says, if I want to make progress in laughing at the days to come, if I want to make progress in doing my everyday work to the glory of God, if I want to make progress in my relationships with other specific people in life, grace was good to get me into the kingdom of God, but effort is what's going to be needed to keep me moving forward. But this is... A false dichotomy. Listen to something that Paul says to a church of Christians as he encourages them to grow in wisdom and then tells them how they will grow in wisdom. Here's the path forward in learning wisdom for us as disciples. Paul says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 2, My goal for disciples, for the church, is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely, if you've already tuned out, tune back in, namely Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom. So Paul is saying, I'm just going to pause there because it's a long sentence and it's hard to follow. Paul is saying Jesus embodies the fullness of true wisdom. And my goal is that the church would be encouraged in such a way that they may know the fullness of wisdom which is found in Christ. Now how do we get there? I'm skipping a few verses because it's a very long sentence and I already lost you halfway through, all right? But I'm going to skip a few verses and in verse 6, Paul picks back up and he says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Here's what Paul is saying. Just as you began your journey with Jesus, how did you begin your journey with Jesus? By grace. In union with Him. By His power, not by your own power. Just as you began... Just as you received Christ Jesus, that's how you're supposed to continue, Paul says. By grace. Together with Him. By His strength. 
By His strength, who has all the fullness of wisdom, by His strength, powerfully working within you, in dependence and reliance on Him, in prayerful daily dialogue with Him, so that it's not just my Bible verses in my pocket teaching me how to get this done by my efforts, but so that it's His Word granting illumination, so that by His grace and through faith, and together with Him, not out there on my own trying to fix myself, but together with Him, I keep taking one step at a time further, growing and growing and growing in the fullness of all that Christ offers us by grace and through faith as we walk in reliance on Him until that day when we see Him face to face. So, what do we learn here in the book of Proverbs chapter 31? We see a model of wisdom. We see a strong woman who models wisdom for us in her family, in her daily work, in providing for others, in virtues like being able to laugh at the days to come, and above all, in her relationship with the Lord. Most fundamentally in her relationship with the Lord. What we see here in Proverbs chapter 31 is we see a strong woman who models wisdom in every aspect of her life, especially in her walk with the Lord. It's a fitting capstone for a book of the Bible which has taught us so much about walking with the Lord. So as we go from this book, let's go with these words stored up in our hearts and maybe even in our pockets. And let's go forward in reliance and dependence on Jesus Christ. At this time, I'd like to invite those who are going to serve the elements of the Lord's Supper to come 